Our scripture reading this morning comes from Matthew chapter 15, or 22, starting in verse 15, all the way down to verse 22, and I'll be reading out of the Common English Bible this morning. Then the Pharisees met together to find a way to trap Jesus in his words. They sent their disciples, along with the supporters of Herod, to him. Teacher, they said, we know that you are genuine and that you teach God's way as it really is. We know that you are not swayed by people's opinions because you don't show favoritism. So tell us what you think. Does the law allow people to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Knowing their evil motives, Jesus replied, Why do you test me, you hypocrites? Show me the coin used to pay the tax. And they brought him a denarian. Whose image and inscription is this? He asked. Caesar's, they replied. Then he said, Give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar, and to God what belongs to God. When they heard this, they were astonished, and they departed. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I was almost late getting up here. Thanks for your patience. Please pray with me. Good and great God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Because you, God, are our strength and our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I want to start with a question today. It's a question that I know you've all wondered, and you probably woke up this morning with this question nagging you on your mind. Would Jesus wear flag socks? I was walking with my family down the road on the U.S. Navy base in Yokosuka, Japan, I think it was July 4th, we'd just been to a parade, so I was carrying a little flag, that's why I think it was July 4th, because they didn't have as many flags on a stick, or I guess anything on a stick, back then. I was six, I was carrying my little flag down the road, and I dropped my flag on a stick. And I wondered, as I thought about this memory in the recent past, how I knew as a six-year-old that the U.S. flag code called for a flag that is allowed to touch the ground to be destroyed. But I knew that, and I was reminded of that because just as I dropped this little flag, a jeep with a couple sailors in it was driving by and stopped and witnessed the event. And so I picked up the flag. I apologized to the sailors. And I feel like my eyes were bugging out of my head because I felt like I'd just been caught in the crime of the century. I was six. They told me it would be okay that I could keep the flag and they just invited me to be careful. And I was. From then on, I was careful. The U.S. flag code at that time did not allow clothing to be made with the stars and stripes. Okay, let me say that differently. It wasn't appropriate then for clothing to be made out of the American flag because the flag code hasn't changed. The flag code itself is still the same, but it was never intended from the time it was adopted in 1923 to be enforceable. But it still precludes the flag being worn. So the flag code, as interpreted in the 60s, would not have allowed me 
to wear flag socks as I am this morning. The flag code also says the U.S. flag is not to be used in advertising. But would anybody ever sell a car if they didn't have a 90-foot flag waving over the dealership? And yesterday, I'm driving home and, uh, you know, removed enough from the fireworks stand to be by the highway was a family waving a huge flag, American flag, advertising, come and buy fireworks. Flag code or not? So please don't hate me for violating the U.S. flag code and wearing flag socks. I kind of figure if you buy something in a legitimate store, it's probably legal. And I like creative socks. I mean, my usual Sunday socks simply say, all I need is Jesus, coffee, and a nap. But today's July 4th, so it called for special socks. These actually came um, as a package of socks. So they were, I think, a calendar set of socks because I got St. Patrick's Day socks and Valentine's Day socks, and I don't remember what other socks, probably something with jack-o'-lanterns on them. I don't recall. But as I think about the flag code and my dropping a flag uh, a lot of years ago and wearing flag socks now, that the way we do things changes over the years. Would you agree? I mean, the way we will dress to come to church, to be together in worship, has changed over the years. Or should I say, I, I mean, the dress code maybe not have changed, but the things you feel comfortable wearing to church has changed, no doubt. I still have to convince myself on a Sunday that it's okay to wear jeans in worship because I just wasn't raised to wear jeans to church. So if I'm here in jeans, it's, you know I had a conversation with myself that morning that it was okay. The first time I had this conversation with myself was in the 90s. I was chaplain at Lon Morris College in Jacksonville, Texas, and I went with the choir to sing at Windsor Village United Methodist Church outside Houston. Okay, let me clarify. I went with the choir. I did not go to sing. But I went with the choir, and I was sitting in, in the sanctuary um, surrounded by people who were wearing clothes nicer than I could ever afford to wear. And the pastor of this church, where they averaged thousands of people in worship, comes out in the 90s in khakis and a polo shirt. And I'm, you know, I'm wearing a suit because that's what you do in church. And I turn to this woman who's dressed to the nines. I say, does he always dress like that? I'm hopeful the answer is yes. And she says, not always, but we realize that we couldn't very well tell people that our worship services come as you are if the pastor didn't occasionally um, dress down some. So what we wear to worship and the standards by which we decide what we wear to worship has changed over the years. Because we want people to feel like they belong. So we don't look down our noses at people for what they wear in worship. In today's message, and the last four and the next three are all about belonging. Maybe today it's about who we want to feel like they belong. Because I think the generic answer for all of us is we want everybody to feel like they belong. Would we even want the Pharisees to feel like they belong in our church? I think so. I think Jesus did. So in today's reading in Matthew 22, Matthew sets the stage with this statement. He says, Then the Pharisees, 
met together to find a way to trap Jesus in his words. Have you ever tried to trap somebody in their words? I will admit to you I have. I try not to do that anymore. I try not to live that way anymore. Because I believe the pressure on us in our society, in our culture, is growing rather than decreasing to trap people in their words. I read this week, for example, about a guy who's leaving a, a, a pretty famous band because he shared something that was critical of something somebody on the left had done and they were just all over him. Well, technically, they were all over him on social media. Nobody physically harmed him at all. And he said he considered himself center or even left of center, but he couldn't believe the way he was shut down by, he said, the militant left. Unless we think it's only the militant left. It was less than a year ago that convoys of cars and trucks on Texas highways were running campaign buses off the road. And we have state legislators who are getting pretty deep into telling teachers what to teach and what not to teach when they don't know much about the subject matter of what's being taught, much less have they had any, most of them, any training in how to teach. So is this what we're all being reduced to? We're all reduced to trying to trap other people in their words? It seems to me like a work of, of a lot of the alleged news people is to clip words and phrases out of context to give support to themselves and, of course, let's be honest, to sell advertising. We increasingly live, it seems like, in a gotcha culture. And please, whatever you do, don't say, yeah, the other side is all about gotcha, because whatever side you identify with, this is, this is across-the-board gotcha. Not everybody, but it's not any one part of the spectrum. But then if we keep reading in Matthew 22, gotcha culture isn't a new thing because that's exactly what the Pharisees were trying to do. They sent, Matthew continues, they sent their disciples along with the, the supporters of Herod to Jesus. Teacher, they said, we know that you are genuine, that you teach God's ways. It really is. We know that you're not swayed by people's opinions because you don't show favoritism. Okay, I wrestled a little bit with the Pharisees getting their disciples to go instead of them going themselves. But they're trying to trap Jesus in his words, so they start with trying to butter him up. And I don't think the Pharisees could have pulled off saying with a straight face, Teacher, we know that you are genuine and that you teach God's way as it really is. We know that you're not swayed by people's opinions because you don't show favoritism. Now, we agree with all these things about Jesus, but remember who it is that's saying them. They're saying them because they're about to try to catch Jesus in his words. So here's the question they asked for Jesus, intending to trap him in his words. So, tell us what you think. Does the law allow good Christians to wear U.S. flag socks? Okay, it's not what he said, but we have a no vote on the south side. What they said was, so, tell us what you think. Does the law allow people to pay taxes to Caesar or not? What genius. If he says, yes, pay your taxes, he's a sucker for Caesar, and we can get all these other locals around us on our side to get rid of Jesus. But if he says no, then we just sick Caesar on him, and this problem child is out of our hair. 
So, of course, Jesus doesn't get trapped, but he doesn't give them a direct answer to their question either. I mean, if it's direct to call somebody a hypocrite, then there's a direct answer, but he doesn't give them either of the answers they think he's limited to. Because you know the rest of the story. You've heard it. You probably knew this before. He asked them, whose likeness is on the coin? They say Caesar's. And he says, give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. Oh, if only it were that simple, right? But if it were that simple, then the disciples of the Pharisees wouldn't have picked this point on which to trap Jesus. Caesar is often used today, too, to try to trap people or trick people. Which means, I should probably make this clear, when I say Caesar in this kind of conversation, I mean civil government and the elected authorities therein. So, I found over the years that people like referring to our elected leaders as Caesar when it's the ones they didn't vote for. For example... Some of you probably really like thinking of Joe Biden as Caesar. And the Venn diagram of that with the people who really like thinking of Donald Trump as Caesar when he was president, because it's only like when you're in office, um, is two not overlapping circles. And it's trickier now, let's admit, than it was in Jesus' day. At least it's trickier in the United States, because in the United States we elect our Caesars. They don't declare themselves Caesar. We vote for them. Which I hope for Christians makes voting, um, if not tricky, at least something that we consider and that's challenging to us. And it should be because we have to give to Caesar what belongs to Caesar and to God what belongs to God. And it's not always easy to know what belongs to Caesar and what belongs to God. But that's exactly why we're here today. Worshiping God on the highest, holiest day of the American year. July 4th is a high holy day for the United States. Sunday is a high holy day for the church. These are not necessarily the same thing. I believe Jesus would have us remember that they're not necessarily the same thing. So we're in the middle of our Do I Belong series. And because today is both Sunday and July 4th, I think it's appropriate for us to look at belonging in this great country of ours. Because to be honest with you, this is one of the, the topics that I sometimes feel like people are wanting to trap me in my own words. So because of this, I sincerely ask, that if you have issues with anything I say today or any day for that matter, that you come to me and bring those issues to me so we can talk about this. And if for whatever reason you feel um, intimidated or overwhelmed or can't do that, bring somebody you trust to have a conversation with me. So having said that, I'm going to say this. You do not have to be a patriotic American to be a good Christian. You do not... And you can absolutely be a patriotic American and be a good Christian. And there's also this. Not everyone's version of patriotic is the same. Life is complicated, and life is even more complicated if you're a nation, and thus you have a Caesar, and, or a string of Caesars, 
for two and a half centuries. I mean, these socks are a violation of the U.S. flag code. And I'm not the only one here wearing some version of the American flag. Speaking of the flag, we don't always have flags in our sanctuary. You may or may not have noticed this, but it's because, though most of us Americans, though, I will remind you, at least 1% of our podcast audience lives in Ireland. I know, it's strange. But when we gather to worship God, we gather as followers of Jesus, not just as Americans. Uh, There's no citizenship check at the door. And it doesn't mean that we're asked to leave our Americanness in our cars or trucks in the parking lot for the hour that we're in worship. But it does mean that we're all regularly wrestling with, with what in our own lives, in our relationships, belongs to God and what belongs to Caesar. Caesar may try to tell us what belongs to God and what belongs to Caesar. I fully expect Caesar to try to tell us these things. But for us, it is God's and not Caesar's call, not even if Caesar heads a nation founded mostly by Christians and generally with this, with this strong shared intent to encourage the flourishing of religion. Their reasoning in general, I think, was this. The flourishing of religion and religious practice is good for people and it's good for society. And we're all about good for society as followers of Jesus. We'll work with with people who aren't Christian for the good of society. When I was young, I was focused on and really liked that passage in Luke where Jesus says, those who aren't with me are against me. And I totally overlooked the other passage in Luke that says, those who aren't against me are with me. And Paul tells us in Philippians 3 that our citizenship is in heaven not any particular place on earth. So, for Christians, according to Jesus, our God and Caesar and what belongs to whom is a balancing act. I mean, the more flag you wear, the more you violate the U.S. flag code. That's some fun irony in 2021. It wasn't fun irony in the 1960s. So would Jesus wear flag socks? Maybe maybe a better way for me to ask that question would be to ask Jesus what he thinks of me wearing flag socks. Do I wear them to give voice in whatever small way to the country that I love, or do I wear them specifically to violate the U.S. flag code? Jesus doesn't have condemnation for us when we negotiate this journey that's set before us, this journey of balancing what belongs to God and what belongs to Caesar. Followers of Jesus, it always starts with the biblical standard, as far as I can tell, is everything belongs to God except what God says it's okay to belong to Caesar. For example, what Caesar puts his image on. But Jesus doesn't have condemnation for us as we um, navigate this journey that's before us. And he answers our questions in ways that don't condemn us, but they leave space for us to condemn ourselves or to invite others to condemn us. And then if condemnation threatens, then 
Jesus invites us to follow him and to belong. And in Jesus, there is no condemnation, no matter what socks we choose to wear. Please pray with me.